All right, we're going to keep it like short today. Uh, and in all fairness, I only get like 10 verses to deal with, and it's not even like the really juicy part of the story. So we're just going to get right through this. So keep up with me, all right? Um, we're going to start off in Jonah chapter 3, because last week we did Jonah chapter 2. The week before that, we did Jonah chapter 1. Next week, we'll be in the book of Leviticus. Theological humor just doesn't connect with everybody. It's cool. It's fine. Uh, so Jonah, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them come out mightily to God. Call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. All right, so there's really only two things I kind of want to get at you. I want to get into your head. I want you to leave here with today. The first is this. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So, essentially... In a four-chapter book, we could lose two chapters if Jonah hadn't been an idiot. Because literally, I mean, two and, and in, uh, if in all fairness, chapter two is like, well, the end of chapter one, chapter two, I mean, those are kind of what, like, make the story, right? I mean, without that, the rest of the story is kind of like, eh, it's a nice story. But, you know, without those first two chapters, it, I mean, why is it even in there? But if Jonah had just been obedient to God, God says, hey, go there, do this thing, it's all good. If Jonah had just done that, we're all over. But chapter 3 starts out exactly the way chapter 1 did. Jonah goes through this whole long rigmarole thing and ends up, right back exactly where he started, only covered with fish goo. There's a message here. There's, this, this happens frequently in Scripture. Many times, God's people will be called to something, and they'll go through this, this incredible ordeal. 
And oftentimes, in the Bible, in, in our own lives, an ordeal will do one of two things. If we go through the ordeal, the trial, the test, on our own, if somehow we manage to get through it, we find ourselves right back where we started. And we're ready to repeat the cycle again. And some of us have seen that. Some of us have seen it in our own lives. We've seen it in the lives of others where there's just this cycle of, of unending catastrophe. And there's just people who are like, why can't I break free of this? Because you keep doing the same stupid thing over and over and over and over and over again. Or, and this is what we find in Scripture many times, you go through this whole ordeal, you come out the other side, if you've gone through it with God's presence, you've gone, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. God, I don't know why this terrible thing is happening. But you go through it with God's presence, you go through it in faithfulness to God, you come out on the other side, and you find yourself in a place where you are ready to springboard into something new, a new phase of life. You are ready for the next thing. God's using this time to grow you, to strengthen you, to prepare you, to, you know, physically, spiritually, mentally, to bring you to a new place where he can say, that was awesome. Now let's go on to this bigger and better thing. So as you go through life, maybe you're in a difficult time now. Maybe, maybe you've just come out of one. Maybe you're afraid. You can, you can look forward and you can see one on the horizon. Ask yourself, am I, am I about to repeat the cycle? Or is God preparing me for something new? Trials and, and, and tribulations are not always a bad thing, depending on whether or not you do it on your own. So that's the first thing I want to get to you. Second thing, Jonah. Dude. God says, go to Nineveh, say this stuff. Jonah says, no. It's not really clear why he said no. There's some indication in the next chapter that Jonah just doesn't think much of Ninevites. Ninevians? Ninevovians? I think it's Ninevites. Let's go with Ninevites. It's easier. He doesn't think much of it. He doesn't want them to be saved. He doesn't want God's grace and mercy poured out on these people. So he's like, no, I'm not going to go help those guys. That's, I don't see that. I don't understand that. But, you know, that's the indication we get. The other thing is, as, as the scripture has told us, Nineveh is huge. It is like a powerhouse of the region. Their city is so big, it would take you three days to walk from one side to the other. So this is a powerhouse city, and God is saying, I want you to go into this powerhouse city full of people who are evil and corrupt and violent and abusive and tell them, I'm going to kill them all. Why would Jonah not want to do that? Either way, he's like, I am not going to do this. He goes through chapter 1, he goes through chapter 2, he finds himself at the exact same place. And you know what? We get most of chapter 2 is this, this song, this prayer of thanks and of gratitude that, that Jonah pours out to God for not being dead. And so God says, all right, second verse, same as the first, 
go to Nineveh, say what I want you to say. And Jonah goes, but I don't get the impression he's like jazzed about this. I mean, I don't feel like he's like going up to Nineveh to give them a message. You know, he's more like, anybody ever seen, anybody ever been a child in the middle of a tantrum? I mean, I mean, I just see him. He's walking down the road. He's kicking stuff on the road. And he's like, he's like muttering under your, what'd you say? I didn't say nothing. He's muttering under his breath. Though I don't know how you try to mutter under your breath with God. But, you know, you try to do it with your mom. That doesn't work out any better. So that's how I picture him. He's like, fine, I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to like it. And I'm not going to do a good job. And I hope it still doesn't work. So Jonah gets to Nineveh, huge city, three days to walk across it. He walks one full day into the city, finds a street corner or a plaza or something, and he's like, hey, really bad people. 40 days from now, God's going to kill you all. And he leaves. I mean, that's it. That's the message. He gives no indication what God is going to kill them all. He gives no indication why God is going to kill them all. He gives no indication how God is, is going to let them off the hook or what they can do. It's just like, you're all going to die. I'm out. And he leaves. Now, the thing we get here is, is the immediate next thing is people hear this. I mean, not a lot of people. Big city. Three days to walk across it. He like stand, he walk, you know, talking to a couple hundred people. God's going to kill you all. Good luck with that. He leaves. But for some reason, that message, limited as it is, undetailed as it is, grabs hold of people. And the message spreads to an entire massive powerhouse city. A city that has their own gods their own ways, their own rituals, their own culture, this message spreads to everybody. The message spreads and is so amazingly received that people start, people on their own, of their own volition, people hear this and they're like, we need to do something. We need to fast. We need to cover ourselves in ashes and sackcloth. We need to cry out to God for forgiveness. And, and Scripture tells us that, that the people did this, and then word of all this gets to the king. And the king's like, oh, snap. So the king says, let us make an official decree that people should stop eating, and they should cover themselves in ashes and sackcloth. And they were like, um, okay. I mean, we already got ashes, sackcloth, but you're the king, so whatever you say. The inference there is, generally, in, in this kind of culture, people would not do something. People are not going to respond to a foreign god unless, for some reason, their king says so. But this message is so compelling, the people who hear it go, I'm not waiting for a religious leader, I'm not waiting for a, a political leader, I'm not waiting for a king to tell me to get in on this. I hear this message, 
And in my heart, I understand the truth of it. And so I am going to respond. And so the city just goes into a panic. And they just, no, no water, no food, crying out, fasting, ashes, sackcloth, the whole deal. The king, he does it too. He's like, you know what? I don't, not even sure what God we're talking about here, but God, big G. And, and I don't know that this is going to do any good, but we're going to do all this, and maybe, maybe, God will, will, God will forgive us. God will, God will give us a pass this time. See, the story here is, Jonah didn't really do anything. Jonah didn't provide any guidance to these people. Jonah didn't give these people any, any solid foundation on which to respond. He didn't give them any, you know, he didn't give them the bullet points. He didn't give them the action steps. God's going to kill you, should you wish to avert this. Follow the following pamphlet I'm about to hand out. He gives them nothing. But they were prepared. They were ready. They received this message and they responded because God was already at work. See, see, the work here, the big work, from the very beginning, from Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, the story here is that God was at work. Jonah didn't have anything to do. He's, you know, it's, and I think I've used this before, it's when you're doing something, and you're trying to accomplish something, and then little kid comes along and wants to help. So then you like start racking brain, okay, what job can I give to make them feel engaged and appreciated, but is not going to cause me problems? This is the job Jonah gets. And God doesn't do this because he needs Jonah. God is gifting Jonah. He's like, hey, Jonah, buddy, Little guy, I'm doing something really cool over here, and I'd, I'd really love to give you the opportunity to come and do it with me. I'd, re I'd really like to have you help me in the job I'm doing. And so he gives Jonah this little job. And Jonah's like, no. God didn't need Jonah to do this job. God wanted to give Jonah the opportunity so that Jonah could be at work with God, and Jonah could see God's bigness and God's goodness, and Jonah could be blessed. And how many times does God call out to us, I want you to go here, I want you to do this, I have this work set aside for you over here, I want you to go and say such and such to so and so, and we just, mm, uh, I'm not comfortable with that. Uh, you know what, that's not my gifting. Uh, you know what, I'm, I'm an introvert, and... Um, ooh, I can't go and talk to people, or, uh, you know what, that doesn't really match up with my Enneagram. Like four people know the, okay. Anyway, God didn't need Jonah because God was already at work. God had already done the heavy lifting. God had already prepared the way so that Jonah comes in with his stupid little spiteful, grumpy, little tyke message, God's going to kill you. And that's all it needed to set off everything else that God had staged, God had planned, God had prepared. And how many times do we avoid doing the hard work because it seems hard, when in fact, if we looked at it 
with eyes of faith and the eyes of the kingdom, we would see, you know what? If God called me to it, God is already at work. If God asked me to do this, God has already prepared the way. You know what? There's no difficult job in the kingdom because if God wants you to do it, it's actually already done. And he's just giving you the opportunity to be blessed by playing a little part in it. Uh Uh-oh. Thanks, technology. Okay, there we go. Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. And generally, we throw this out, and we kind of stop with chapter, with uh, verse 11. But, But I want you to see the full picture here. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you. I know the work that I'm going to ask you to do. And I have prepared you for it. I have this work specifically for you to do, but I have this work that I have already laid the foundation of. I have already done the legwork. I have already done the heavy lifting. And I'm giving you the opportunity to join me in it. Not because I need your efforts to accomplish what I want, because I'm God. But I need you in it so that you, too, can be blessed. How many times have you missed out on a blessing because you looked at something God called you to and you went, I don't know, that looks hard. Uh, I think I'm just going to not. You did not hamstring God's work. You just missed out on blessing your own life. But see, it continues here. Then... I know the plans I have for you for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's, it's a two-way street here. God calls us. God prepares us for the work. God prepares the work for us. God has done all this. But on our part, it's our responsibility to go and seek him. Because it's in the seeking him that we are truly blessed. It's in the seeking him that we grow closer to him. It's in seeking him we know him better. We love him better. We see his greatness. And the need to worship him grows within us. What is it God has called you to that you have looked at and go, that looks hard. It's it's not hard, it's done. It's done. If God is calling you to something, he has already done the work. There is nothing God calls you to that is too hard. There is nothing God calls you to that's too difficult, that's too impossible. There's nothing, if God is asking you for this thing, he's already made it possible. It's a done deal. Do you want in on it? It's just because it's the instance I can think. I'm not, not, not pounding anybody on the head, but I'm just, grace works. These teams come in. They go out to the park for four days in a row. They interact with the people. They interact with the kids. They interact with the adults. 
They go out there. They've got the gear. They've got the food. They've got the grills. They do the cooking. They prepare the drinks. They lay the foundation. Everything is done. All we have to do is show up and reap the rewards. This is what God's work in God's kingdom looks like. So the next time God calls you to something, and it may not be huge, it may be little, it may be tiny, it may be that, that coworker that you see every day and you notice that, that something's off. And you feel it. Because you know, you can't, you can lie about it, but you can't say you don't recognize when God is calling you. When God is, is when, when God's pointing you, when God's nudging you to ribs, when God's giving you the little, you know, you recognize it. The next time he gives you one of those, go with it, because the work is already done. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the opportunity to come and gather together. Thank you for your word and your work. And thank you for the gift of being able to join you in it. Thank you for the blessing of the small things that we can do to engage in your kingdom. To impact the lives of those around us. And the fact that whatever it is you've called us to do, you've already done it. Nothing you call us to is dependent on us, dependent on our abilities. It's dependent only on our faithfulness to step up and respond. As we go from this place, Father, help us to recognize that you're speaking to us, you're calling to us on a regular basis, that each and every one of us here has something, some part in your work that you are calling us to play. And I just pray, Father, that in light of your word, we would all be a little bit more willing, a little bit more courageous, a little stronger to step out and say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm scared of this thing. I'm unsure. I don't know if I can do this. But because of you, I'm going to try. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And may you go from this place in the certain knowledge that each and every step of the way, he has already been there before you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.